0: In 1992, a physician by the name of Dr. Richard Swinson wrote a book entitled Margins. It exposed the epidemic of overload in America's culture today. His message was broadcast on the Focus on the Family radio program, and believe it or not, it prompted the largest request ever for a transcript of the message. Clearly, Dr. Swinson had hit a nerve in America. You see, in today's culture, we all have too much to do and not enough time to do it all, right? And that produces stress, which creates health problems. Now, let me just ask all of you, how many of you have read Dr. Swinson's book? I'm going to kind of put my hand up here to make sure if I see anyone. Anyone ever read Dr. Swinson's book entitled Margins? No. Well, basically, the premise of the book is that most of us don't have any margin in our life. And, and what's kind of interesting about that is that because we don't have any margin in our life, we feel stressed all of the time. Now, let me explain what Dr. Swenson means by margins. I want you to open your Bible. Hopefully, you brought your Bible this morning. Go ahead and open it. I don't care where you open it. Just open it. Now, have you opened your Bible? Most of you didn't bring it. Okay, I'll open my Bible. I want you to notice that there are margins on each page. There's margins on the top, there's margins on the bottom, and there's margins on the sides. Do you see those margins? Those margins are the white space that's all around the edge of the page. Every book, every magazine, every newspaper has margins. Now, let's be honest. Leaving margins on the page is not the most efficient use of space and paper. It's not. In fact, if you eliminated those margins, you could actually put more words on a page. And if you had more words on a page, you would need less pages, which would save you money. So why don't, why don't publishers eliminate the margins and save all of this money? Well, I'll tell you why. If you eliminate the margins, the pages are too busy. And then our eyes and our brains will cry out for some kind of break, some white space that's actually devoid of ink, and it's a proven fact. So every book, every magazine, every newspaper has margins. Now, whether or not you realize it, you need margins in your personal life. Because if you don't have margins in your personal life, you become too busy and most people don't realize that. So guess what they do? They eliminate the margins in their life by filling up their schedule from top to bottom and from side to side. Every spare minute is used doing some type of activity. So their body and their brain starts crying out for a break. Some downtime that's devoid of any activity. But they can't stop because their schedule won't allow it. So their body becomes stressed. And it remains stressed. And as I told you last week, God never created our bodies to remain stressed for long periods of time. And so we become sick. Now, most of you are absolutely stressed to the max. But it's because you have no margin in your life. That's why you're exhausted. That's why you're gripey. That's why you're not as productive as you could be. That's why you snap at your family. That's why you don't come to church on Wednesday nights. That's why some of you miss every other Sunday. So you only go to church about 20 times a year. It's because you don't have any margin in your life. No downtime to rest and to relax. And the end result is that you're absolutely stressed to the max. So this morning, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to show you three ways to create margin in your life and reduce the stress. But before I do that, let me give you a little bit of advice. To create the right amount of margin, you need to do all three of the ways or all three of the things that I'm going to be teaching this morning. Because if you only do one of the three or two of the three, you're still not going to have enough margin. In order to create the right amount of margin in your life, space, time to relax, time to just take a break, you've got to employ all three, all right? So, let's look at the first way to create margin and reduce the stress in your life. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to read verses 8 through 10. And if you're familiar with the Bible at all, you know that Exodus chapter 20 is where the Ten Commandments are found. So let's begin in verse number 8. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household, including your children, may do any work. This includes your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. Now, thousands of years ago, before they ever had cell phones, before we ever had pagers and Palm Pilots and 3G network connections. God recognized the need for margins in our personal life. So God insisted that one day be set aside for a time of rest, and relaxation, as well as a time to worship him. That day is referred to as the Sabbath. Now, observing the Sabbath is so important that it was included into the Ten Commandments. Six days we're allowed to work, but on the Sabbath we are commanded not to do any work. Now, I want you to understand, God didn't just say, well, I advise you. God didn't come along and said, you know, I really think it would be a good idea if you took a day off. God did not do that. In the list of the Ten Commandments, God insisted that we not work, do any type of work on that day. Instead, he said it's to be dedicated to resting and to relaxing and to worshiping him. So the Sabbath is God's main way of creating margin. Now, I'm going to say that again because that's so important. There are two other ways to create margin in our life. But the Sabbath is God's main way of creating margin in our life. And people, it works. After Sunday morning service, Lisa and I don't like to do anything. When we get home from church, we actually change into comfortable clothes, and we climb up into bed, and we read the Tulsa World we take a nap and I watch a little football on TV but we don't do anything else and by the way I need to tell you this don't call me on Sundays don't come to my house I don't wanna do anything on that day because that is my time to rest and relax and to recharge my battery and I need that because I work six days a week I do it's kind of interesting but Even yesterday, while I was enjoying myself, I'm still going through my sermon in my mind. I'm still making a list of all the things that I need to do. I'm writing down all of these notes. And normally, I don't have a day like I had yesterday. But most of the time, I'm working six days a week. So I look forward to the Sabbath. Now... Some of you are not working on the Sabbath, but you're not resting or relaxing either. So when you head back to work, you're even more exhausted than you were when you began the weekend. And I'll give you a good example of this. How many of you have children that play ball games on the Sabbath? Liar! She just didn't want to raise your hand. (laughs) Tournaments, makeup games. Now I know you're thinking, well that's not work, Pastor Allen, and maybe it's not. But let me ask you a question. Is it restful and relaxing? No, because I hear you griping about it all the time. So when you go back to work on Mondays, are you rested and relaxed and ready to hit it? Or are you saying, oh my gosh, it's Monday again? Well, of course you do that. It's work. In that case, I want you to understand you're breaking the Sabbath. And you're teaching your kids to break the Sabbath. Now, I realize that we're not under the law anymore. I have people say that all the time. Well, Pastor Allen, we're not under the law. But you also need to realize that the Sabbath was created for your own good. When God came along and he said, I don't want you to do any work, he could have said, I'll tell you what, I just want you to take two hours off on the Sabbath. I want you to come in and worship me and then go right back to work. No, God didn't do that. He said, I don't want you to do any work because he created the Sabbath in order for us to have margin in our life. And that's what it was designed to do. It was designed to create margin and reduce the stress and to keep our priorities straight. So listen to me. It's more important for your child to be in church on Sunday than it is to be on that baseball team, that basketball team, or that football team. Now I know most of you are thinking, Pastor normally doesn't do this, and I don't because I believe in grace and we're in a period of grace but I want you to understand we're raising a culture we're raising a whole new generation where people do not go to church I raised my children in church and now when they got off to college, I'm continually having to exhort them and encourage them and tell them, you need to go to church. Why? Because they have no margin in their life. Once they went off to college, they filled their schedule from top to bottom and from side to side. And when it came time for Sunday, to Sunday morning to go to church, they were so tired they slept in. And now my kids ask me, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? And I tell them the same thing that I started ever since they left the house and went to college. I want you to go to church. That's my Christmas gift. Now, am I afraid that my children are not born again? No, I'm not. my, My kids are saved. They love God. They've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But I understand something. Going to church is a habit. If they get out of the habit of going to church and they don't understand this concept of margins in their life, Then what's going to take place is they're not going to raise their children in church because they're going to fill their schedule to the top and to the bottom and side and side and they don't have time to go to church. And my grandchildren are not going to be raised in church and my grandchildren just might go to hell. Preach it, Brother Allen! You tell the coach of your child's baseball team and basketball team that you're a Christian and your children go to church. And if you can't do that, you start coaching. It's time as Christians that you stand up. Now, that's the first way to create margin and to reduce the stress in your life. And if you're not willing to do that, quit griping to me about how busy your life is. That's pretty tough, isn't it? Let's look at the second way. To create margin in our life and to reduce the stress. Turn to Exodus chapter 18. I'm going to read verses 13 through 14. And then I'm going to skip verses 15 and 16. I'm going to jump down and read verses 17 and 18. And then I'm going to skip 19, 20, and 21 and read verses 22 through 23. Why? Because of time. You'll get the gist of the story by me just reading these parts. So let's start in verse number 13. The next day Moses took his seat. Now, if you ever go to Israel with me, we'll go to some of the ruins, and we'll show you the synagogue, and I'll show you what Moses' seat is because all of the Jewish synagogues have a place that was referred to as Moses' seat. All right? The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning to evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide for themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Now, I want you to understand, one of the reasons that we get stressed is because we take on too much responsibility. And when we take on that extra responsibility, now we have too much to do and there's not enough time to do it all. And that's what happened to Moses. He took on... One too many jobs. You see, Moses was Israel's deliverer. He was also a prophet of God. He was also the general when Israel went to war. He was Israel's ultimate leader, and he was the judge of the people. And when he took on that last job, when he decided that he was going to be the judge, it was too much, and he just couldn't do it. From daylight to dark, the people waited in line to bring their case before Moses to let him be the judge. And notice what Jethro said to Moses in verse 17. He said, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear you out. In essence, what Jethro was saying is, you need to give this up, you need to let someone else do it, or you're going to kill yourself. You see, there were certain things that Moses could not give up. Moses was Israel's deliverer, and he would be until the day he died, and he couldn't give that up. He was the leader. He was a prophet of God, and he would be until he died, and he couldn't give that up. He was the commander-in-chief of Israel, and he would be until the day he died, and he could not relinquish that responsibility. He was the ultimate leader of Israel, and he would be until the day he died. But... Moses did not have to be the judge, the one who decided every case. He could give that up, and he could let someone else do it. But if he didn't give it up, his father-in-law recognized that the stress was going to kill him. Why? Because he was working from daylight till dark, trying to do everything. Look back at verse number 14. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you? Now notice this, from morning till night. That's how long they were standing there waiting. Do you see what had happened? Being the judge who decided every case erased all of the margin in Moses' life. So Moses never had any time to himself. Moses had never had any time to rest. And, st- and, and this stress from the work was killing him because he was working from daylight to dark. Now, people, I learned this lesson the hard way. When the church was small, I did everything. I mowed the churchyard. I cleaned the church. I printed the song sheets. I performed all of the marriages. I performed all of the funerals. I counseled. I made the hospital visits, and I preached at all of the services. I also logged all the ties in and paid all of the bills and did all of the administrative work. And people, that worked until we started averaging about 250 people, 250 to 300, somewhere in there. And then one day, I was reading my Bible like I do every morning, and I started crying for no reason at all, and I didn't know why. The passage of Scripture that I was reading didn't touch my heart, it wasn't convictive to me. It wasn't something that I could apply to my life or a situation that I was in. But I was crying and I didn't know why. My stomach hurt all the time. My heart would race from time to time and I was always tired and I didn't know why. So I went to God and I said, God, is something wrong with me? Do I need to go to the doctor? What in the world is happening? And God spoke to me. The Holy Spirit said, son, you can't do it all you're gonna kill yourself I went home I talked with Lisa and that day we made some changes we hired someone to clean the church we hired someone to mow the yard I started asking my leaders to share the responsibility of the hospital visits with me and I started divvying those out I hired people to come on staff and I started delegating ministry responsibility to them I stopped doing all of the weddings I would literally tell people whose children did not come to my church but they wanted me to marry their children. I would say, I'm sorry, I just can't do it. Because it's not just doing the wedding. They come to me and we discuss things for about an hour and a half, two and a half hours. Then you've got the rehearsal, which is always going to run three hours because they always change their mind. And so you've got to work everything out and then you've got to run through the rehearsal at least twice. Twice. And then all day long, you're preparing everything for that wedding, and then you've got to do that wedding. And so I stopped doing all of that, and I stopped doing all of the funerals. I was doing funerals for anyone in town. didn't matter if they went to church or didn't go to church. If they called me, I would do that, and I stopped doing that. And I don't make any apologies for that. I'm sorry if that offends you, get over it. Because for the first time in a long time, I had margin in my life. I wasn't working from daylight to dark seven days a week in those days we had church on Sunday night so let me just kind of tell you how my schedule was on Monday mornings I would get up early and I would go pray and I would read the word I go into church and because we didn't have a secretary I logged all of the tithes in I made out all of the deposits I took it to the bank I came back I made sure that the checkbook was balanced I paid all of the bills and then I did all of the administrative duties and then hopefully If someone was going to be in the hospital, it was on a Monday, thank God. And I would go to the hospital. On Tuesday and Wednesday, I prepared for my Wednesday service. But I also had to take care of all of the phone calls, anything that had to be done. Go to the hospital if someone was in the hospital. Clean the church before Wednesday night. On Thursday and Friday, I was preparing for Sunday service. Not only did I have to do that, but at that time we were doing PowerPoints. We just started doing that. So I would have to also, after I finished the sermon, do all the PowerPoint slides. On Saturday, I would get up and do my chores at the house. Then I would have to go into the church and mow the yard. I would also have to clean the church, get everything ready, go through my sermon, make sure that it truly made sense. Believe it or not, at that time I didn't know why. The second time I'd read it through, it didn't make sense. Just because I was so stressed. Sunday morning, I would get up. I'd spend my time reading the Bible and praying, and then I, of course, I come to church, preach that sermon. Then we would go home. I go up to my study and I'd prepare for Sunday night. I get up on Sunday night. I'd preach the sermon, and then I'd go out to eat. Let me tell you, eating was the only way that I could, in a sense, get away. I ballooned. I'm big again. But I'm here to tell you, I ballooned. And then Monday morning would roll around, and I'd start all over again. I worked seven days a week from daylight till dark. And when I stopped that, all of a sudden, my health almost immediately improved. People, we need margin in our life. And if you don't have margin in your life, you better give something else. You better find someone else to do it or the stress is going to kill you. Now, as I said, there are certain things that you can't give up just as Moses couldn't give up. There were certain things in the ministry that I could delegate and I could give out. I could have other people on my staff do some of the weddings and do some of the funerals. I could have other people on my staff go do some of the hospital visits. But there were certain things I can't give up, such as the the leadership of this church in which I provide the vision. I can't give up teaching and preaching. Those are the type of things that I have to do. My door has to be open for those who are on the ministry teams so they can come in and we can discuss and do the things that are necessary for this ministry to work. But then there are other things that I can give up and I realized that if I wanted to be the husband that God wanted me to be if I wanted to be the father that God had called me to be if I wanted to be the pastor that God had called me to be I could not do everything and I had not been called to do everything and as a result of that I gave certain things up it's the same way for you I know that sometimes you're thinking that you're the only one that can do what you do People, that's not always true Yes, you have to go to work. You can't give that up. But you don't have to volunteer for this club or this meeting or do this and do that and do all of these other type of things. Find out what's taking or erasing all of the margin in your life and then give that up and let someone else do it. If you don't, it's going to kill you. Now let's look at the third way to create margin and reduce our stress. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke, the fifth chapter, verses 15 through 16. Ooh, this is about Jesus. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Let me read that again. But Jesus, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You see, the crowds got so big and the demand on Jesus' time was so great, but Jesus never had any time to himself. And even though Jesus was the Son of God, the book of Philippians chapter 2, verse number 7, tells us that he emptied himself of his Godhead or his deity power. Was he still the Son of God? Yes. But when he walked on this earth, he wasn't using his deity to be able to do the things that he did. He came as the second Adam. And the reason he was able to do all of these miraculous works is because he was baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. And so he was, because he was a man, he needed some margin in his life. He needed some space to himself. So Jesus would withdraw to lonely places often... And spend time with God. In essence, Jesus had to get away from the ministry from time to time. Jesus had to get away from his job. And we need to do that from time to time. People, if Jesus had to do that, how much more do we need to do that? We just need to get away every once in a while and forget about work don't take your cell phone with you don't leave a number where you can be reached if your mama's going to tell people how to get a hold of you don't let your mama know where you're going right mom? advocating drinking Corona beer I'm not advocating drinking any type of beer but I like that commercial and the reason I like that commercial is because it illustrates what I'm saying sometimes you just need to get away when you get to the point when you want to pick up your cell phone and skip it across the water when you want to take a hammer to it it's way past getting away now I need to warn you about something though because when you start employing this third way of creating a margin in your life, you're going to irritate some people. There's always going to be someone that's going to be irritated that you're not available when they need you. People, that happened with Jesus. People got irritated with Jesus because Jesus was not at their beck and call. Yes! Turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Let me read verses 32 through 38. That evening after sunset, Many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place. He got away from people to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That's why I came. Now, did you catch that in verse number 37? Notice that. Everyone is looking for you. Now, people, that's not a statement. That's an accusation. That's a criticism of Jesus. In other words, what they were saying is, everyone needs you, so you shouldn't have left. And that's the attitude of people. They don't care if you need a vacation. They don't care if you need a break. They don't care if you're stressed out and don't have any margin in their life. Hey, they need you, so you need to be available. And when you're not available, 100% of the time, when they need you, then they get irritated. So you just need to realize that there will always be someone that's going to be irritated that you're not available when they need you. I came to accept that. Now, in the beginning, when I started creating this margin in my life, I have to be honest with you. It really hurt that people got irritated at me. Pastor, we called, called your phone, and you didn't pick up. I didn't take my phone with me. You didn't take your phone with us with you? You're our pastor. You're supposed to have that phone with you. I'm sorry, but I just needed a break. And then I would feel guilty, and, and I would start talking to Lisa. Should I do that all the time? Do I need to be there? Let me just be honest with you. I'll just kind of fill you in. I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I love what I do. I absolutely love it. I couldn't have a better job. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't believe in the last five years we've ever gone on vacation, Lisa, have we, that someone hasn't died. Is that true? That's just the way it is. When we come back to the funeral, that's just the way it is. I understand that. You know, those type of emergencies, we're going to be there. Life or death, we're going to be there. But that's our life. That's the way it is. And so when someone has this little bitty crisis because they got mad at their husband, and, you know, he said something hateful to them, and they need to talk to the pastor about it, and I'm not there, they're irritated. Honey, you've been having marriage problems for 25 years because you don't have any margin in your life, and you don't come to church all the time. When I teach on marriage, you don't ever get to hear that. One little counseling session with me is not going to fix your marriage. You've had 25 years to make it bad. One session won't make it good. That's good preaching, Pastor Allen. So what are the three ways to create margin and reduce stress in your life? The first one is to observe the Sabbath. If people would just do that one thing, and I told you you need to do all three, but of the three, the most important is the first one, observing the Sabbath. If people would just do that, they would be surprised at how much margin they had in their life and would be like, ah, I'm ready to go to work on Monday. Instead of, oh, gosh. And by the way, I just take getting on Facebook and hearing people go, it's Monday. It takes all I have not to respond to that. Didn't see you in church, did I? Huh, huh, huh. You out playing, weren't you? Huh, huh, huh. Now you're more exhausted than you were when you started the weekend, huh, huh, huh. Okay, that's the first, sorry. (laughs) This has been building, people. Number two, if you've got too much on your plate, then get rid of something and let someone else do it. You are not that important. I don't care who you are. Let me tell you what God told me when I was having health problems. He said, son, you're going to die if you don't stop this. And I said, Lord, you wouldn't allow that to happen. I have too much to do. And God spoke to me and said, anyone can be replaced. I'm, pl- I'm praying for Victory Christian Center because they lost Billy Joe Doherty. That's a 17,000-member church, but I promise you he can be replaced. You are not so important, you can't be replaced. You can, stop, you can step out of that committee. You can get off that board. You can do whatever you need to do if that is stopping you or, or erasing all of the margin in your life. And the third thing is get away from time to time. Take vacations. Oh, my gosh. Can, can I do one more thing? I know it's 11 o'clock. We'll still beat the Baptist out to the restaurants. Is that all right? <laughs> Every. Pastors conference that I go to the speaker gets up and he makes this comment Ministry is not a dash Ministry is a marathon It's not how fast you start the race. It's how you finish and every pastor goes Amen brother and inside. I think that's a bunch of crap people that's not true What I'm going to share with you about ministry relates to life in general. You need to understand something. Your Christian life is not a marathon. Your personal life is not a marathon. I know you want to say that. You want to say, you know, it's not how fast I go, it's how I finish the race. That's important on how you finish the race, but you need to understand something. And and this really applies to ministry. Ministry is a series of dashes. Our life is a series of dashes. and Let me explain what I mean by that. We have big events in our church and when we have these big events I want you to understand we go hundred and ten percent. We're not jogging to do these big events. We are running. Man, we're having meetings. We're doing planning. I start delegating out through this mind mapping. I'm having Thule meetings. Now, we start early enough that it's not stressful until the last two weeks. But the last two weeks before that big event, before that Christmas gala, it was a dash, wasn't it, honey? And when we're in those last two weeks, I expect every one of my staff members to be stressed. If they're not stressed, they're not giving it all. Now, I don't want them to be stressed because they hadn't been working on it. But I want them to be stressed because I've been working on this. But boy, there's just so much to do and we're working towards it. Now let me tell you why I expect them to be stressed. Because when you're stressed, I told you that we, you focus on what you're, what's causing the stress. And our, our staff members get focused on that. And not only that, their senses become sharper so they start noticing all the detail. I want them waking up in the middle of the night and going, you know what, we forgot. Oh my gosh, how could we forget that? And now they come in and, you know, they almost called me at 2 o'clock in the morning but they know better. So they wait and they're sitting here and I come in at 8 o'clock and they go, Pastor, you know what we forgot? I said, what? And they say, oh my gosh, we forgot that. And so that stress is causing us to put on a great big event. We're getting ready on Easter to do a big multimedia production. Take a minimum of 50 cast members. That's a minimum. We could use as many as 150. It's kind of a music, but it's a musical, but it's a passion play. Now, we're already starting, half started on it. We're moving towards this thing, and we're going to make sure that when we get towards that, we've done all of the lead work. We're going to have all of the sets that's already produced. We're going to have all of the slides. The music's going to be taken care of. The costumes have been bought. Everyone's been practicing the lives. But I guarantee you that last two weeks before Easter comes, I'm telling you, it's going to be a mad dash to get everything done. But afterwards, I give my staff a couple of days off, sometimes three it's time to rest and relax it's time to have some margin and some of you shame on you I let someone preach for me you come in you find out I'm not preaching and you leave and you're mad because I didn't preach honey I've been on a dash I'm about ready to drop I just need a couple of days of rest Now, life is like this too. It's not a marathon. There are times in your life where you're on a dash because you have a big event in your life taking place. Maybe you're building a home. Maybe you're at work and a project has come due. Maybe you're writing a grant. Maybe it's Christmas time. I want you to understand life is not a marathon. It's not that way. Life is a dash and God created our bodies to be stressed for our good because when we're stressed those adrenal glands start pumping out that adrenaline and, and we've got energy we didn't usually have and boy all of a sudden our senses are sharpened and we're starting, starting to see all of the details that we missed and our focus is unlike any time we've ever been focused our focus is on the circumstances that's causing that stress and so we're able to get the job done but again God never created our bodies to remain stressed for long periods of time so after that dash God expects you to go thank you Lord I'm gonna go home I'm gonna read a book I'm gonna do something that will take my mind completely off of everything I've done and you employ the third way of creating margin in your life and reducing the stress All three things that I've given you this morning are things you need to employ in your life so you can do great things. If you're just running a a marathon, then you're having a mediocre life. If ministry is a marathon, then you're in a mediocre ministry. It's not doing big things for God. I want to see 1,300 people a minimum in here Easter Sunday morning. I want to see a minimum of hundred and fifty people give their lives to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior that doesn't just happen it comes through planning prayer and work and at the very end it's going to be a mad dash that's okay I love the adrenaline it's better than a latte or an espresso or any of those other things but you gotta have the downtime afterwards some of you don't have any margin. Your schedule is filled from top to bottom and side to side. You better employ the three things that I told you or we're going to be having your funeral.